We've been jumping into Romans here. Um, we have been in Romans 1 through 3. We'll conclude uh, Romans 3 today, and then next week begin a new series called By Faith in Romans 4. And uh, we're very excited that we had the opportunity to cover some of the elements like week one. We're not ashamed of the gospel. In fact, it is incredible news, right? This gospel means good news. And we have the opportunity not only to experience it, but share it. We looked in week two about the reality that God doesn't want us just to know him. He wants us to know him, right? God doesn't want to be known. He wants a relationship. And uh, then last week, we unpacked his kindness and its intent to actually turn us from the distraction of sin in this world and lead us back to him because in him is all the fullness of living life and life more abundantly. So some pretty cool stuff we've unpacked already in the first couple portions of Romans, and now we conclude it in Romans 3 today. Our big idea today is Jesus saving us is the good news for broken people like you and me. Jesus saving us. Now, I don't know if you grew up in church or didn't grow up in church. Maybe you had some experience. I know from the age of like one to four, we went to church pretty frequently. I don't remember any of that. Like, not much at all. Zero. Uh, I was told I sang some song in front of the church in that season. Um, uh, something about a tiny tot full of love. I don't know, but my parents tell me almost every time I see them. So I, I sang something, and then, like, we went on this season of our life from the age of four to eight, or really 21, when I made a decision to come back to church, we visited church. And it was due to financial reasons. We lived far away from any church and out on a farm, and, yeah, but we visited. We became the holiday family. Uh, maybe we would make it to one Christmas or Easter or a production or something that kind of drew us in and we felt better that we like visited church. But in that season, it opened my life to things that uh, I was more influenced by culture and coaches than the church. And uh, so my life didn't go down a path that I would wish anybody else to go down. That said, I did experience enough of church to discover a phenomenon that maybe if you've had past church experience, you've heard of. It's called the Sunday School Answer. Do you know what that is? Jesus. I heard it out there, right? It's Jesus. Classic. I could miss church for a year. Show up and, and like we would either go to some classroom and then go to church or go to church and then to some classroom. And when we were in that classroom, questions would be asked. And I've never been that great at having a long attention span unless I'm watching a movie. That's just reality of my world. There's probably pills I could take, never have. I'm moving on. Uh, so we would uh, sit there in the Sunday school room. I haven't been there forever. Questions would be asked, and I knew it was safe to just kind of toss out the answer, Jesus. And I would be right. Fifty. It's like marking C on multiple choice. They say if you just mark C, 
you're going to get like 70% of the questions right. Not that I ever tested that theory in a lot of my classes. So um, here we are looking at Jesus as our big idea today, and it could sound like the Sunday school answer. Let's just conclude this series with the Sunday school answer. Jesus. Okay, let's pray. Move on. Anybody want to, you know, it's that, that, that deal. But the reality is funny because God's answer was the Sunday school answer for mankind, Jesus. Maybe that's why it was the right answer in Sunday school. And I just knew it as this guy that was like, you know, I was looking back, it was the, the dude who was carrying a sheep. Uh, in the little picture thing they gave us, you know, and, or he was, had a sheep on his shoulders, he was holding a sheep, he was wearing a robe, had a long beard. It was the dude. Like, I knew Jesus as the dude in the pictures. But here's this relationship awaiting me that gives life. I, it didn't always work, this name Jesus. Um, you know, it, it, it depends on your intonation as to how you would answer. They would always catch you if you said, Jesus? They would know you weren't, right? You know, you're like, what's the answer to whatever? Blah, 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 blah. Who's the good shepherd? Or They'd say something like that, and you're like, Jesus? Well, I'm not sure you know the answer, Thad. Thaddeus. You know, Thaddeus Huff, Mr. Huff, whatever they'd call me. And, uh, and then, you know, you could say, they could say, who's the... Who, who leads the flock? And you would say, like, Jesus, kind of confidently, right? And they'd catch you. But this, you know, being kind of outgoing, I always got the right answer because I'd go, Jesus. And they'd go, yeah, bro, awesome, man. You know, and you're just going, that was easy, right? But in life, I feel like when I reached the age of 21 and hit rock bottom and did what I was told by a friend in high school, hey, when you hit rock bottom, you're going to hit rock bottom on your path, Thad. You're going to hit rock bottom. If you keep making the choices you're making, you're going to hit rock bottom. And when you do, come to Shoreline Community Church and you'll be loved. I was just, it was grilled into me somehow, into my spirit. And I woke up that day and, and I knew I was at rock bottom and I made my way to church and I walked into that church and I heard hope and I heard life and I heard Jesus crazy. The joke was on me. The answer was Jesus all along, right? Jesus was good news for the drug abuse. Jesus was good news for my grief. Jesus is the good news for relationships. Jesus is good news for my finances. Jesus is the good news for my family. Jesus is the good news for my sin. It's not just a Sunday school answer. Like, it's literally the good news is wrapped in this gift we've been given from God, His Son, Jesus. Leads us to our first thought today. Sin always separates us from God. Well, how does Jesus lead us to this first thought? We're going to read in Romans here the reality that this is not just a picture of a dude in a robe leading sheep or carrying a sheep. It's a relationship. Jesus is a person that God sent 
his son to have a relationship with us that can make us right in relationship with God. Romans 3, 5 through 8, though, approaches the issue of sin and what it does in our relationship with God and how we may be misunderstood by those who have yet to experience Jesus. It says in verse 5, some might say our sinfulness serves a good purpose. It helps people see how righteous God is. Isn't it unfair then for him to punish us? This is merely a human point of view. Verse 6 says, of course not. If God were not entirely fair, how would he be be qualified to judge the world. But someone might still argue, how can God condemn me as a sinner if my dishonesty highlights his truthfulness and brings him more glory? And some people even slander us by claiming that we say the more we sin, the better it is. Those who say such things deserve to be condemned. Okay, what was that all about, right? (laughs) You could get confused reading that. You're like, yeah, okay, well, I guess. I guess my action point today is go sin, (laughs) right? It's like you could walk away and, and get really confused. Let's look at what's being said here. This was an accusation against the church, not what the church was actually teaching, right? We don't have to focus on sinning to experience more of God's grace. We already have sinned and choose grace when we put our faith in Jesus. I was, because I have kids, right? Uh, Thinking here, if we taught to keep sinning because... God's gracious, and it exemplifies His grace if we keep sinning, wouldn't that be like you could could name your church the Dory Church, right? Because what does Dory say? Keep on swimming, keep on, you just change it. Keep on sinning, keep on sinning, right? That the kids' church would have a picture of Dory. It'd be awesome, but that's not what the Bible teaches. We turn from sin to God, not to God with sin, right? I remember how nervous I was to first share my story. I was a young adult helping do the tech, like plug in all these cables that we do every week and sing vocals for this traveling choir of 125 youth. That was the day. It was awesome. And we would travel all over to different states and places. And, and uh, I remember we were in California somewhere, and I, I, I was assigned the task to lead the devotional time, which I didn't. I had to ask somebody, what's a devotion? Oh, it's that new in the faith, right? And I'm devoted to a lot of things, but what am I supposed to say about that? You know, no, no, share your story. I was like, my story? You sure? Can I do that in front of Christians? You know, and so I would, I, I like prepared galore. I was really nervous, and I got up and told everybody about my life and the choices I made, and and it, and just kind of unpacked the whole thing. And everybody was just like deer, you know, in headlights, going like, 
I was really, and I probably went TMI, right? I probably did my first time sharing. I was probably like graphic and stuff. But then I, uh, I was like, but you know, God saved me from my sins, and so let's let's pray, you know. So I was just like rough around the edges, and and uh, so we prayed, and one of the guitar players approached me, and he was like. He had the hup-ups, you know, that cry, that cry that, like, you can't turn it off and act like you just had something in your eye or it's allergies, but, like, you're like, (gasps) you know, it was that moment, kind of like me at the end of Miracles from Heaven this week when we watched it. I'm like, oh, my word, this is the saddest movie I've ever seen in my life. So, great movie, but if you like to be depressed. Okay, moving on. Uh, It was very sad. So I'm just like watching this and and going, well, that's the way this guitar player was. He was like, and I was like, I was like, what is it, man? And he was like, I got to tell you, I identified with your story, but in a really weird way. I was like, yeah. He says, "Uh, I grew up in the church and absolutely, you know, loved Jesus, but I would hear people come and share a story like yours. And so... I went out, and I tried to get a testimony. I was like, I, this is the first time I'd ever heard of such a thing. He's like, I went, and I got a woman pregnant. We had a kid, and, and then she left me, and then I tried drugs, and then I got addicted to drugs and made some choices that are going to be with me the rest of my life. And then I did, you know, he just walks through all these things he did, and he's like, now I'm just empty, and I chased all these things, and I'm just so empty. And I was like, Wow. And I don't know, maybe you've experienced something like that. I I thought it was hard to share my story. It was harder to hear that somebody would want to go out and get a story like mine. Because the baggage I carry, I would never wish on anyone, right? And I just go, you were so blessed to grow up in a home without all that baggage and all those stories. And that's kind of... What sin does is what it did to him when he went and tried to experience it, right? Sin will take you farther than you've ever intended to go. Sin will try to replace what God wanted to provide with with like false fulfillment to the emptiness that you're seeking to fill. False worship, false God. And now there's people blaming the church of falsely encouraging people to sin to experience God's grace. And if they misinterpret this, it's going to devastate them the same as it did that guitar player that came to me with the hup-ups that day. The unwise pursue sin for grace, but wisdom pursues grace for sin. God's intent is not that you go sin to prove his willingness to forgive you. Sin will take you way further than you ever intended to go. And in James 1, 14 through 15, it's not on your notes there. You might jot it off to the side if you're one that goes back and studies it at a later date. But it talks about what temptation and sin does in our life. It says, 
Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Sin gives birth to death. Oh, congratulations. Let me see. <gasps> Holy moly, right? Ta-da, I had death. That's kind of this, it's a sick picture. But it's a very vivid one, isn't it? That sin gives birth to death. Like, that's the conclusion. Like, the end goal for the enemy is to kill, still, and destroy. So if we try to sin to achieve grace, we could get caught in a death path. That's not God's plan for us. Not, he wants to replace those voids and, and, and that emptiness and the relief and the heart and the tenderness with his spirit. That only comes by putting our faith in Jesus. Only comes by putting our faith in Jesus. We encounter his, his kindness and we encounter his love and it awakens our heart. We read about it last week. I'll remind you, Romans 2.4 said, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? God shows his kindness towards us by giving us grace so we don't have to sin to be closer to him. Sin and God cannot be compatible. That might be hard to wrap your mind around, like the incompatibility of, of sin with God because he came for the sinner. But for some, it's, it's a case of, of pride, maybe. I don't need God because I am who I am. The world we live in right now is trying to communicate to you, your sin is your identity, be who you are. But God wants you're a child of God to be your identity. You're one of his righteous ones to be your identity. Wow. What a contradictory message. Is that a word? Yeah, maybe. I made it up. For some, the, the, the challenge is shame, ultimately. That was mine. I don't deserve God. I'm too broken. The good news is for broken people like you or me. And interestingly enough, I had a conversation this week. Very powerful conversation. Alongside Bruce Emig's bed while I was praying for him before he passed away. One of his sons looks at me and says, Thad, how did... Bruce started coming to church. It's just not been something their family had done. And I opened up how being present in the community at different events, I rubbed shoulders with all the different people in the nonprofit world, and, and him and his wife were involved in, in the Lions Club here in the community, and through relationship, we just cared for one another, and even though, you know, they never made their way to church together, and then his wife passed away about a year ago, and, and Bruce invited me to do 
the memorial service and the celebration of life at the Lions Club. And, and it was one of those moments where one of the city council members thanked me for being the pastor to this community. And I was like, it was an eye-opening moment. To my shock, Bruce and his son made their way to church the next Sunday. And Bruce made his way back, and Bruce made his way back, and Bruce grew in his relationship with Jesus within the last year and found himself ill. And then his relatives started making their way through the church. And on Father's Day, all of them were present here at the service. It was beautiful. And his son says to me, every time I've been at your church, and church isn't something I've ever been at, I heard something I didn't expect. And I was like, uh-oh, what did I do, right? Because I do that. I'll say, I'll say you know, the, oh, that was one of my oops Sundays. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Um, it wasn't that, though. He's like, no, this is like, um, I heard that it's okay if I, like, really doubt all this stuff. And if there's things wrong in my life. And that God actually is for me in that season and, and, and wants me still to draw closer to him. And, and so for the first time in my life, I found myself open to God. And I was sitting there just like trying not to show that I was wrecked by that culture being present here. Because that's exactly why we started this church six years ago. Because people need to hear that. People need to experience that. People need to understand that sin's intent is to separate us from God, but Jesus was sent to reach us in the depth of our sin. But in that kindness that he shows us in the depth of our sin, his intent is that it turns us from our sin towards him. I was just like, oh. so good job, church. For carrying that culture. That people are safe to come and hear the gospel. Exposed to church for the first time ever in their life. And loved when they show up. Pretty unreal. Don't let sin stop you. Jesus came for you. If you're lost, he wants you to be found. Don't live in shame. It's okay. We're all broken. Just put yourself in front of Jesus. It continues, Romans 3, 20 through 22 says, No one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses. So like forever ago, right, Paul's saying, and the prophets, long ago, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Thought number two, the law reveals sin. The gospel shows life. Depending on how you were raised, I'm sure maybe you've been told that you need to do both and, right? Well, let's keep the laws and let's as well welcome Jesus into this world. Do both. Um, but this is a pretty interesting passage here that is showing us that since the day of Moses, everything pointed at Jesus. And now we have the opportunity to put our faith in Jesus 
which allows us to be free from sin and the law because the law existed and was useful for the Jewish people to identify sin. But it's, it's, it basically, its tool was to show us that we were a sinner in need of salvation. And that salvation comes through Jesus. So now you and I don't have to go back and look up all the laws and their subcontexts and obey them in hopes that we'll be part of the elect that may be chosen if we do enough right. No, you don't have to do anything but put your faith in Jesus to inherit eternal life in him. You can still experience grace no matter where you are or what you've done. You can only be made right with God through choosing to follow Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus, and it'll lead to a relationship with God. God came to us in the form of a man. The only faith on the planet that is initiated by God to man. It is one of the unique separators of Christianity in any other faith practice. Because it's not, other faith practices are, defend, are dependent upon our action to earn God, not Christianity. Christianity is God initiating a relationship with us by sending his son, Jesus, that we put our faith in and develop a relationship with. And the interesting conclusion there at the end of that verse 22 leads us into the the next passage, it said, and this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. And let me just increase the tension by reading the next portion of text. In verse 23, it continues, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair, fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Thought three, faith in Jesus makes us right with God. Jesus came to make us right. When we choose to live in that reality, it's called faith. He makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus, it said. Again, you don't have to be right to come into the presence of Jesus. He's the one who makes you right. Paul's going to teach us, and we'll look at this in a couple of weeks, but it says in Romans 5, 8, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So it shouldn't shock us. Last week I told the story of when the adulterous woman was caught in the act of adultery and drug before Jesus, and he forgave her right there. And they're like, but she was caught in the act. Well, that's what he's still doing today. While we're sinners, he's still showing us kindness and love. It's 
mind-blowing. It's unfathomable. Jesus didn't die for the perfect you. He paid the price for you to be perfect. Maybe the very fact that God loves sinners makes for tension in your life. And I, and I just felt this when I was reading those texts and I was going, this actually is going to, this actually could make someone mad. And maybe you've been in the situation where you're like, God, would you just bring justice already? Why are so many bad things happening? Why does it seem like evil wins? Why is this still going on? And he communicated why in that passage. He said that he holds back punishment. What? That he looks ahead and get this. He includes them in salvation. Isn't it easy sometimes to just get like, okay, that person shouldn't have the right to do that. They've wronged people. Why are we giving them grace? Because God includes all of us in his plan of salvation. Are we mad that God is giving space for somebody to turn from their sin? If we really check ourselves, sometimes we are. Sometimes that's exactly what we're mad about. We're mad that his justice hasn't come swift enough, that his vengeance that he promises, I will avenge, I will repay, says the Lord, is a passage in the Bible. And we get mad, God, when? And he's like, there's still hope for them. There's still hope for them. Pray for them. Man, that's hard. That is a tough one. Sometimes we have to set our own desire for justice and vengeance aside because we need to comprehend God wants everyone to follow him. Make room for salvation. Wow. That's a lot of kindness we're going to have to show in some spaces that are very uncomfortable to show kindness. Paul said here, when we put our faith in Jesus... When we believe in Jesus, we're made right. And I wanted to take a moment to, to share a couple expressions you hear us say here at Open Life. You hear us say, uh, if you've been with us before, uh, you'll hear us say things like, man, if you want to choose to follow Jesus today, we're saying that same thing. That's the belief in Jesus, putting your faith in Jesus. We may even say it in the way of, man, if you want to say yes to Jesus today, and I say that because, you know, it's an option on the back of your Connect card to respond every week. It's an opportunity we present uh, when we, when we, during holidays. I, you know, our Christmas and Easter conclusion talk, always going to be choose to follow Jesus. You know, it's just like that's an opportunity to present that. And, and I wanted to bring that out because it's a culture that we continue to, to, to just make an opportunity. Because when I sat in church... When I first came to church that next day, after hitting rock bottom, I actually sat there for six months before I was presented an opportunity to respond to the gospel and choose to follow Jesus. So one of our convictions is that we present that opportunity every week. So that whoever walks through the door for the first time in their life, or maybe it's been seven years since they've walked through the door and they're mad at the church, but they find Jesus. 
and we give them an opportunity to respond. And Paul's saying that very response changes your eternity. Put your faith in Jesus. Choose to believe in him. Thought four. The good news is that God sent Jesus to us. The good news is that God sent Jesus to us. John 3.16, maybe that's something you've seen tattooed on someone or on a shirt somewhere. Um, it says this, this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's the good news. God loves the world. He says it this way in Romans 3, 27. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No. Because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It's based on faith. It's not based by our actions, right? It's based on faith. So we're made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. After all, is God the God of the Jews only? Isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. There's only one God, and he makes people right with himself only by faith, whether they are Jew or Gentile. Well then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. One more. John 14 says it this way in verse 6. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. The good news is Jesus, the Sunday school answer. All along, they were right. And we can be right with God and have our sins set aside, covered by his love and kindness by choosing Jesus. It's a simple decision. We're no longer able to boast that we earned it. We could do all the good deeds in the world and be a part of every nonprofit in our community and be an exemplary citizen. But unless we choose to follow Jesus, we're still trying to earn it. And he just wants us to accept it. Our action point is not to keep on sinning today. So sorry about that, those of you who thought you figured it out early. It's believe in the good news. Believe in the good news. And the good news is Jesus. Let Jesus become more than a Sunday school answer today. Let it be the grace and love of God for your life. Can we pray together? God, I thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this school that they let us rent this beautiful facility to worship you and glorify you in. Thank you that we have the opportunity to come no matter where we are in life. No matter how much feedback we we make in the microphones. Uh, you still allow us to walk in here. It's awesome. 
No matter how messed up and broken our life looks to us in the mirror, you still love us and you've given us space and time to get to this moment because your plan for our future is salvation. And it can only be found in faith in Jesus. So today, in an atmosphere of prayer, I want to give an opportunity for those in this room, if they've never done so, to make a decision to choose to follow Jesus. Choosing to believe in you and put their faith in you so that they can have eternal life. The only way they'll be made right. And if that's you in this room, would you simply pray this with me? You don't have to do it out loud, but just pray, Jesus, come into my life. I choose you today. I want to follow you. I want to grow in my knowledge and understanding of you. I want a relationship with you beyond the Sunday school answer. Help me to know what I should do with the brokenness in my life. Heal me. Help me. Show me the way in Jesus' name. Amen.